Welcome to Gen Z Hoops. The Gen Z Basketball Coaching and Sports Business Show. On this podcast, you'll learn from professional players, coaches, and executives from all over the world and see the court in a brand new way. And now, joining you courtside, your Gen Z host, John Hartafillis. Matt, what's going on? What's going on, John? How are you? Dude, so happy to have you on the show. We've talked about this for a little bit, and there's really no better way to start off the, the start of the WNBA season right now than having you on the show, right? Being someone that's been so involved in women's hoops in the past, starting a, a sick new job at the Liberty now in the next few days. Like, really excited for you and, and so happy you could come on. Yeah, thank you. I'm super excited to be on, super excited to start this new job. You know, kind of kind of going in feet first, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. So you've obviously done a lot over the last few years, but I want to take it back maybe to the start of this journey into women's hoops, right? And you went, you went to high school with a few celebrities that told me um, over the phone that there's, a, that there's a really good story behind maybe your first step into becoming a manager at Penn State. And I'm curious to know, like, what, what did that look like for you in getting ready for something that everyone wants to do, but not many people can actually do it? Yeah, so I guess we'll, we'll kind of bring it back to the beginning. That celebrity you're talking about is Jesse, a mutual friend of ours. Uh, we went to high school together. We were in our digital arts class, senior year of high school. And we were kind of just talking about what we're doing afterwards, what we're doing in college, what we want to do after that. I knew I wanted to get into sports. And he actually had a friend that I spoke to. And that friend, actually AJ Vanderchuk, um, a lot of people know, he told me, you know, the best thing anyone could do doesn't matter where you go to school, as long as you're getting involved with its team and make sure you're going to a school that has, you know, an impactful sports team. So I was at that point in between a couple of schools, um, grew up a Penn State fan though, and really where my heart was, so decided on Penn State. And he was like, that's a perfect place because of the athletics, you know, the things you can get involved there. So um, I knew I wanted to be involved, ended up reaching out to the men's basketball uh, director of operations there, emailed him a couple of times, uh, got in touch with the head manager at the time, this guy, Bo, great dude. He's now a GA with Penn State. And from there, get to Penn State in the fall and interviewed with them. But I also had gotten a work study that my parents wanted me to look at. So the way Penn State work studies work is that you go to their website and they have all these different options. You could be, you know, a food attendant and uh, you could be a janitor theoretically. But I searched sports because I knew that's what I wanted to do. And two things came up. Uh, first was I am sports referee, which I had done in the past. I had ref some rec basketball back in the day. Always a great time. But the second one that came up was women's basketball staff assistant. So I ended up applying for that, interviewed for that, got that job. was kind of in between. I'm, I had to make a decision. Um, this is the first couple weeks of me at school. And my mom says to me, hey, I know you really want to work with the men's team, but trust me, try the women's. You might like it. And if you don't like it, you could always go back to the men's sophomore year and just a perk you get paid too. So of course, mom's always right. I ended up working the women's basketball team that year um, as a staff assistant, not as a manager. So pretty much I would work in the office, help out with recruiting, use the copy machine and get all our receipts from all the travel, whatever, do a bunch of random stuff. And that was great getting to know all the staff in that office. Unfortunately, that staff left Penn State after my freshman year or about three quarters through a spring break. And a new head coach came in, Carolyn Keeger from Marquette. From there, I just, you know, I guess I made a good impression. I knew, I knew a lot about recruiting. Just, I love Twitter. I just love following recruiting. So 
I kind of knew all these players in the Northeast and this new staff had come in from Marquette. So, you know, that's a Midwest school up in Milwaukee and they weren't that familiar with a lot of the talent around here. So I immediately made some good connections and got to know that staff and got to show them my value. And over that summer, I was offered the head manager position and these past few years, head manager have been absolutely unbelievable. So that's kind of how we got here. Sorry for the long-winded answer, but. No, that, that was an awesome answer. I definitely loved, loved hearing about all of that. And I'm curious, you're, you're talking all about maybe, maybe the initial decision of, of going with the women's team, going with the men's team, and how that maybe was difficult for you. And obviously, you you progressed through all those progressions of it really quickly. Um, so you would have had the option to do whatever you wanted to do. What made you want to stick with the women's game and, and, and really love doing it so much? I, I think it was the point where I realized that basketball is basketball. And the women's team, they might not be able to dunk. But when you look, they're running the same exact sets the men's team are running. They're running horn sets. They're running all the same actions. It's the same game. It's just there's no alley-oops and no dunks. And once I kind of got past that, I was like, wow, this is amazing. I would say that our best shooters on our team probably could make in a shooting competition more threes than the men's team. And I just gained a huge appreciation for the sport, um, specifically women's basketball. And I was like, wow, I really like this. You know, I'm kind of in a little niche and like a lot of people aren't looking at it the way I'm looking at it. So I'm like, hey, this is like a really cool thing. And I wish more people would open their eyes to, but I'm also appreciative that, you know, I was kind of able to get in early. And now I think there's a ton of momentum, especially this past year of women's basketball. Paige Beckers, Caitlin Clark on the college level. I've been bringing so many eyes to the game, but I've been seeing this for three years now. So. Definitely, definitely got a, a head start on that. It's incredible, right? It's incredible thing about that idea of it's not better or worse. It, it, it's just different. I mean, when you're able to keep, look at it with an open mind and appreciate that, you'll you'll actually just say, okay, wow, there is there's another way to watch the game, and there's a, a great other leagues to follow and, and other great players to watch, and it, it just makes basketball more fun when you just watch more of it. So definitely awesome hearing about that. And the other thing I, I really thought of that I thought was so cool is how you were a head manager, right? Just after after that first year, and, and that's something most people don't do. Maybe are never head managers, or they get it their senior year. So what was it like, kind of for you, like a new coaching staff? comes in everything's kind of starts fresh and you're able to prove yourself that quick to be right up there with them yeah um it's a great question the thing that helped me out the most was that they were new you know they had been in coaching for a while they've had had managers in the past but never at penn state so i kind of felt you know that i was able to join them on their journey and all of us learn together you know that type of thing and i was also blessed with a bunch of really good managers around me who were also in their first year so we were kind of all learning together growing together and it's uh, really cool to see what we've become by now over the past few years, especially the past year. Me and the three other managers, we were pretty much locked in our little bubble together. It was pretty much just us four and the team had to be careful around other people. I didn't want to be the reason that, you know, the team had to shut down or anything like that. So it's that type of thing. We're just growing together, um, you know, soaking in everything. And, you know, I think the biggest thing is like, it's okay to make mistakes. You know, I've gotten yelled at, everyone's gotten yelled at, but it always makes a better person, makes a better manager. Oh, it's incredible, right? And thinking thinking about about just that, that environment working with a team and, and just the team managers you were working with and, and maybe what that looked like. Uh, what exactly were you, were, you, were you behind the table? Like, how did that kind of evolve maybe over the course of the last three, four years? And I'm sure with COVID, right, in the last year and a half, that probably messed up, turned everything on its head. But maybe at the start, what, what did your exact roles look like? So I guess we'll go back last year. If we're talking in-game roles, I was the guy at the end of the bench with the stools, ready to go for timeouts with the water bottles, with the towel. You kind of got to know your players. And, you know, some players, 
they might get really sweaty and they might just, you know, be so locked in. They don't think they need a towel, but you know, I'm right there to give them a towel. Cause I'm like, Hey, you really need a towel. And just being ready for anything in a game. There's times in the game where I had to run back to the locker room and get, you know, two other pairs of shoes and just the most random things. I think that's honestly my favorite part about being a manager is like the things that you never thought would be part of the job title, but are like, you know, filling up a coach's car with gas so that they can go recruiting, um, just making other people's lives easier. And I think that's been ingrained in me probably for the rest of my life is just how to make other people's lives easier, even if they don't ask for it. It's kind of just like something I'm always looking to do now because of what the job entails. And so, yeah, so that was in game, in practice, always having a ball ready in case a ball goes rolling, um, always having a towel on hand to wipe up sweat, can't have any injuries. And then also, you know, starting to just pay attention to the drills the coaches are doing so that, you know, if one day I do want to get into coaching, um, you know, I could take those drills and I could add those to my mental library. So d- different things like that. That's last year. This year, I was lucky enough to start to learn sports code, which most coaches and teams use. I live coded all of our games on the road and at home so that our coaches were able to start their post-game analysis before or right after the game. They didn't have to wait for someone to code it and then they could start doing the post-game report. So that was a big help to them. And I was really just excited to be able to learn a new skill, something that could translate throughout every single level because everyone uses sports code in college, WNBA, NBA, Europe, wherever um, sports code is being used. Uh, obviously it's incredible right thinking about the work you did maybe during games or during practices and making sure everyone's life is easier right whether it's t- towels chairs whatever that might be but the stuff you're doing right behind closed doors with sports code ed- video work um can you talk a little more about that because it's obviously what you're doing now and, and and really can't wait to hear all about that but there must have been maybe so many skills you learned to, to prep you for what you're about to uh, jump into with the liberty yeah so that's actually a good point um <laughs> This past probably month and a half, I've just been kind of going into the office. I, I go into the office every day anyway um, at Penn State. That's my favorite place to be. I love being around the coaches, love being around the players, love being around everyone there. Um, they're such great people. Uh, so you could ask any of them. I'm always there, you know, usually let's say like 10, 30, 11 after my classes are done. I'm showing up at the office. I'm there till 6 p.m. It's a great time. But I sit in our video coordinator's room and Sean, Sean Bear, he's been such a help to me, pretty much teaching me everything that I would need in order to get a position like this and be successful in a position like this. So if that's learning how to clip a game and clip personnel and how to put out all the, to get the proper play calls, watch the plays and how to put that into a system so that we know this play corresponds with this play call and we can put all the play calls together. That type of thing where just making it simple for, you know, the coaches who do need to read these reports and do need to see these sports code packages. Um, So just learning how to do that has been really enjoyable and exciting and something that I never would have thought I would have been able to do two years ago. It's incredible that you're doing it now and you're, you're learning all this now. So you still have another year at Penn State, but in the meantime, right, this summer, you're going to be taking a, a new opportunity with being assistant video coordinator for the New York Liberty, which is incredible, right? When, when you told me about it, I was so happy, happy to hear about it. And I can't wait for the, right, the season to start soon and for you to just be jumping headfirst into that role. Tell us a little about maybe how that came about, what kind of went into doing that and, and, and in terms of what you're going to be doing in that role. It's, it's, it's so exciting. I'm not going to lie, I got really lucky. This was not anything with my network. I had no connection to the New York Liberty. My only connection was being from New Jersey and, you know, growing up in the footprint of the New York Liberty. So 
what happened, I was going for one internship, ended up not even getting an interview. And I was like, damn, well, that kind of stinks. Like, you know, I thought my resume was pretty good. Uh, so I ended up a couple of days later, I was like, all right, guess I got to try something new. And I cold emailed the head coach, director of basketball operations, and a general manager for the Liberty, just hoping one of them would hit and hoping I guessed the email correctly. I didn't know what the email was. I kind of just knew what the structure kind of was. So along those lines, I just, you know, put together personalized messages and Two days later, um, the head coach of Liberty, Coach Will Hopkins, got back to me and said, hey, Matt, you know, are you around Thursday, which was a couple of days after that? You know, we'd love to talk. I was sweating bullets, kind of freaking out, but super excited. And that skill I actually got from Jesse because his senior year, junior year, he sent like, I think, 300 cold emails a day. So that was kind of a Jesse K um, inspiration right there. But it shows that, you know, just reaching out and putting your best foot forward could, you know, make a difference. It's funny when I talk about those cold emails, it's definitely just like it's an inspiration for this show, the, the Jesse kind of going Jesse K on people and sending out hundreds of cold emails a day. It's incredible, right, to think about how, right, they, everyone's maybe scared to do that, but it works, right? And, and you think of cold emails, maybe it sounds impersonal. Those were personal messages for you that you really put a lot of thought into. You had a, a meaning to reach out. You weren't just asking for, for, for a job, right, having no experience, right? You have all this experience, all this to, to offer, and you were saying, how can I provide value to you, Mr. Hopkins? And it, lo and behold, it worked out. And we're going to be seeing that not all in, in a little bit. Now, it, it, it's so cool, right? And it's exciting thing about how that was able to happen and, and the fact that it's coming up soon. Uh, what exactly are you going to be doing for the Liberty? And, and what can we kind of expect to see all, all coming up for you in the next few weeks? Yeah, um, for now, I got my first project yesterday. Um, I'm going to be working on personnel for our scouts. So pulling different clips from Synergy. Synergy, another super useful program that anyone who wants to work in the basketball world should know how to use and know where to look for different stats in it. Um, it's truly an unbelievable software. But pretty much pulling personnel clips for different teams in the WNBA. And it's going to be a big project for me because I still am not super familiar. I would say I'm familiar with probably like the top 40 players in the WNBA, but you know, this is going to be eight players per team and there's 11 other teams. So hopefully that's 88 players that I'm going to be looking at and maybe more if they play, if they go more than eight deep, if the rotation's uh, deeper than that. But so that's going to be my first thing. Hopefully I'm going to end up being in person. We'll see how uh, COVID cases continue to fall and vaccination continue to rise. I'm really hoping I'll be, I'll be able to go in person and be at practice and learn from the best of the best from the seeing the players work ethic and the coaches and what drills are doing, you know, just being able to be there. If that happens, I, I will, I am super excited for what I'm doing now. And if that happens, I will be through the roof. I'll be through the roof right there with you. Can't wait to, to hopefully have that happen over the next few weeks. And, and you brought up a super interesting point when it comes to talking about the roster size and how there's eight, right, eight people in a rotation, but it's it's a common thing that people that really know about the WNBA always talk about in terms of how small the roster sizes are, how how, how few teams are in the league and what that does for the competitive balance. Right? It's so competitive. And, and that's something that's super important to dive in on that many people don't know about is, is that how, how important is that when you're looking at it through film or just in general um, in terms of just what the makeup of the league? And I think the WNBA is so unique in that there are so few teams and that the roster sizes are so small. So you look at there's 12 teams and there are only 12 players per team. So that means there are a total 144 players in the WNBA at once. If you look at the NBA, there are 30 teams, roster size of 15. You got two-way contracts, you got the G League. So that's at least 450 NBA players plus the G League. So you look at the WNBA, that's pretty much a third of the amount of players and, you know, there's just as many great women's players as there are males that all want to get involved. So in the WNBA, you, it's way more likely that a first round pick, second round pick are getting cut 
immediately, which is crazy to think. You know, I think of Megan Gustafson a couple of years ago from Iowa. I remember seeing her play in person. She was unbelievable. She was the player of the year, I believe. Definitely all Big Ten, Big Ten player of the year. And she got cut from her first team. She ended up resigning, ended up playing well that year. But it's just crazy to me to think that, you know, a first-round pick uh, could be getting cut. So that type of thing baffles me. I, I really think that WNBA is in need of, one, bigger roster sizes, and two, um, more teams. Wherever they might be, I don't know. But um, it's definitely the most competitive league when you think about it and trying to break into it. It's really, really hard. And there's tons of tons of great players that are not able to get in and just aren't given a shot. It's the definition of the best of the best. And that's what kind of makes it what makes it so cool. And when, like you said about just the, the upward strength of the league and where they're going, just seeing those rosters either jump up in size or just see more teams out to the league is going to, is going to be huge. The rosters expanding, teams expanding. The, the direction of the WNBA is just going, is just literally going from, it's, it's a lower left to upper right trajectory, right? And, and it's incredible thinking about that. What, do, what are you really seeing? And what are you so hopeful for now? It's year 25 now, uh, the 25th season, but 26, 27, 20 are coming up. And it looks like they're going to, they're going to be a lot better. Yeah, I mean, I think the WNBA is about to boom. Uh, if you look at ratings from this past summer from the Wubble, um, compare that to other sports. I think the WNBA was the only league that had an increase, maybe the NHL, but the WNBA for sure had an increase in ratings while the NBA, NFL, MLB, they were all down. And then you talk about the marketing job that the WNBA has done under Kathy Engelberg. She's been unbelievable. Um, I think this hoodie is probably the best form of that. This hoodie is the best-selling product NBA has ever put out there, sold more than any jersey, any NBA product. Um, it's truly unbelievable what this hoodie has started to represent for the WNBA. And this new collaboration with Nike on the jerseys and the rest of the gear is unbelievable. Um, shout out to Nike for doing such a great job with that, um, just bringing so many eyes to the league. And, you know, also I think you have to uh, – a lot goes to the NBA. I think NBA players have started to really advocate for the WNBA. You see people like Kyrie Irving, um, you know, the late great Kobe Bryant. Booker is wearing this hoodie in the bubble. It just think little things like that can make such a difference. And I remember I was listening to a podcast a couple of days ago, Kelly Graves, the head coach at Oregon. And he was talking about how he would talk to some recruits and, they, and he would ask them, hey, you know, who's your favorite player? And, you know, they'd always say Michael, LeBron, Kobe, all NBA players. And now he's starting to see a shift. And, you know, he, he joked, he was like, I don't know if it's because of the Oregon coach, but, you know, he's a lot of a lot of recruits saying Sabrina's their favorite player. So, you know, I think the Sabrina's the world are going to change the game. I think Paige Beckers, Caitlin Clark, you know, their brands are huge. Haley Van Lith. I think Paige and Haley Van Lith have over 600,000 followers on Instagram already, and they're freshmen in college. So when you talk about the brand deals that might potentially happen, once the NTA passes some name image likeness rules and stuff like that, I think the WNBA is going to have some amazing benefits from players already building their brands well at the collegiate level. Thinking about just how the league just might absolutely explode over the next few years, whether it's with the big time players that are, that are, that are coming to the WNBA, just in, in, the, in the freshman in college, but they'll be there soon. Uh, there's just so much potential there for something major to happen. Uh, one thing you mentioned that I definitely want to talk about is the, those Nike jerseys and every way it's the hoodies. I have my own too, or, or it's the jerseys. Everyone's talking about how fire the merch is and it's blowing up on social media. You might be a little bit biased, but which one's your, uh, I'll ask you which one's your favorite and then which one's your second favorite, um, or just in general, the response you've seen from there just on social media and everywhere else. That's that's tough. I, I, I think all three of the Liberties jerseys are unbelievable. I'm a huge fan of the seafoam color, that kind of teal. I, I think the color scheme for the Liberty has been great. They did a great job of branding over this past year. Second favorite. Oh, 
it's tough. There's honestly, there, there's some really unique ones, really, really unique ones. I, I kind of like the LA Sparks. Those jerseys are pretty cool. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'll go LA Sparks for number two. It's a, a pretty, it's a good choice. It's one I've heard a few other people talk about too. And it's just great, right? The fact that that's buzzing and that that's really uh, causing a huge shift um, is incredible. I, I just can't wait to see, right? Uh, I'll be watching a lot more Liberty games maybe because of you, but just in general, I'll be watching a lot more WNBA this year just because of what, whether it's just being so exposed to it, having coaches on the show. Um, it's something I'm really excited and looking forward to do. And Matt, I mean, just thank you so much for coming on the show. This was incredible talking about what you've done, what you are doing right now. And of course, maybe what you're going to do and what the WNBA is going to do. It's it's definitely something that, that that's really exciting. Thank you for having me. And thank you for, you know, giving me a platform to speak on this. I think this is a huge thing. Um, and, you know, getting exposure for women's basketball. So thanks, John. You know, the show's awesome. Keep it up. Thanks for listening to Gen Z Hoops. Make sure to follow, like, and subscribe on Instagram, LinkedIn, and all major social media platforms at Gen Z Hoops. You can tune in and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and every other podcast platform on the planet. Get ready for the next episode.